Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Amen. Grab your Bibles and stand with me this morning. Praise God. I understand most of you have a, a big day planned, so I'm going to be cognizant of the time. If I preach two hours, I'll be well aware of it. That's what I meant by that. Amen. We're going to title this message this morning simply Easter with a question mark. Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. Beginning in verse number 28. I want to encourage you once again, please stay. We'll have a feast here uh, immediately following the service after our communion time together with the Lord's Supper. We encourage everyone to stay. Also, I'd like to make a quick uh, pull for all you uh, mighty men of Jacob. Jacob's mighty men. A lot of y'all may not even know who that is. But the men that are being rallied together For an assignment, I need you to come up on this platform immediately following the service so we can talk about our assignment. You say, well, I didn't even know nothing about that. Today's a good day. If you want to be a part of the mighty uh, Jacob's Mighty Men, come up, meet with me right after service. Also, uh, we're celebrating Passover today. Actually, that's what Easter means in your King James Version Bible, Pascha, which is Passover. But Passover was the conception of, of the church, but Pentecost was the birth of the church. There's seven weeks until Pentecost. So for seven weeks on Saturday night, there will be some type of service here on these properties. Uh, Every Saturday night for seven weeks that you're welcome to come to, and we're just going to see what God does and what God says. Be prayer time, worship time, seeking the face of God. So prepare for that if you're able to be a part of that. And all you mighty men of Jacob, come meet me after church. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, And to them who are called according to his purpose. According to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Stay with me now. That he might be the firstborn among many Brethren, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. I want to read two more scriptures. Uh, Go with me to Hebrews chapter number 2, verses 10 and 11 before you see it. The Bible says, for it became him, talking about God, it became him for whom all things and by whom all things and bringing many sons unto glory. I want you to repeat that with me. Bringing many sons unto glory. God's goal was to bring many sons to a position of glory. Are you with me? To make the captain or the pioneer, which is Jesus Christ, of their salvation, perfect through sufferings. 
For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause Christ is not ashamed to call you brother. Let's pray together. Father, now we thank you. Uh, we're all here for the same reason today, Lord. We come to give honor where honor is due, O oh Lord. We came, Father, to celebrate a resurrected Savior. Father God, to, uh, to open up our hearts, our minds, and our spirits and pour them only into you today, O oh Lord God. So we pray you captivate this service. Direct us in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. amen. Well, uh, we've been uh, in a series on finding and discovering your purpose. Amen. And we have learned through the word of God that your predetermined purpose by God was interwoven into the very fabric of your being. Therefore, there will be a natural gravitation towards your purpose. Now, we ain't got time to go back over all of that. Amen. But when you come into the kingdom of heaven, there is a natural disposition to, of you uh, in you to be pulled towards another uh, in a certain direction. All right. Well, we've been in the last four days celebrating the very bedrock of Christianity, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything, everything you and I as born-again believers are just believers in the Christ. Everything we hold dear, our past, our present, our future, our doctrine, our belief system, everything hangs on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what's more important uh, is not only does our temporal state of past, present and future hang on the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but our eternal state, our eternal state hinges upon, it's built upon the foundation of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, our temporal state of existence as well as our eternal state of existence is determined by our view of the Christ. In his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Are you following me? Amen. You cannot live above your understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You cannot access anything beyond your understanding of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Having said that, it concerns me how little we understand what we know. I'm going to say that again. I'm deeply concerned with how little we understand what we know. Tell your neighbor, I don't really understand all I know about it. Man, you just said something. Because our knowledge of this thing supersedes our understanding of a thing, but we have opted out for knowledge versus understanding. Because to understand it, I gotta ask questions, and if I ask questions, you're gonna think I'm not spiritual. This is an Easter message, I promise. 
So when I say it concerns me as a pastor how little we understand about all we know, what I mean by that statement is we know from childhood up that Jesus was crucified. We know he was buried. We know that he rose again on the third day. Can I get a witness? We know that. Our children know that. But why? That's what I want to know. Why? What was the purpose of what we're celebrating today? What was the purpose? Why did he die? Why was he buried? Why was he resurrected? Amen. And I'm afraid that modernized Christianity has created a museum of of sacred relics and sacred ceremonies, memorabilia, uh, that preserve the memory of a thing, but somewhere we lost the reality of it. You might as well say amen, it's the truth. We've just created a museum of all these sacred things that we go through, amen, amen. And, And what's worse than that is we're okay with that. It's okay. What are you going to church for this morning? It's Easter. It's Easter. It's what you're supposed to do on Easter Sunday morning. Go to church. What's Easter mean? I know he died. I know he died. Buried, and they said he got up. What are y'all grinning at me like that for? I'm afraid that we, the church, have been content with going through the motions and participating in our sacred ceremonies like communion and baptism and even Easter without really understanding its purpose at all. May I submit to you that the possession, participation, and preservation of the thing does not guarantee the power or the potential of that thing. May I submit to you the possession, the participation, and the preservation of a thing does not guarantee the power or the potential of that thing. Power, ability, and potential is only released by purpose. For example, you could hand me a tool that I'm not familiar with and not explain to me its, its purpose and I could put it in my toolbox and I would have it, but if I don't understand the purpose, I don't understand the potential. Oh, look at this thing. In my... uh, are y'all with me on this side? I got this thing. Oh, really? What is it? Well, I'm not sure, but I got it. It's in my toolbox. So I, I never access the power of it I never access the potential of it. I never access the, 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 the why of it because I don't know the purpose of it. So I'm just going to carry my tools with me. Huh? You believe in the resurrection? Got it. Got it. What about communion? What do you think about the Lord's step? Got that too. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it means. Amen. It reminds me of, you know, being a grandfather, we watch a lot of animated movies now. Can I get a witness, grandmas and moms and dads? Amen. And what was that movie with the mermaid? Or was that the movie? Mermaid. And she found a fork. She didn't know what it was for. Y'all remember that movie? Oh, come on, get real. What'd she call it? A thingamajob? 
thingamabob. And she's just combing her hair with it. Amen. I'm afraid. I'm afraid because we don't know the purpose of a thing. We're using it for something else and we have robbed it of its power. We've robbed it of its potential, but we can walk out the door saying, whoa, that was a good one. That was a good thingamabob right there. Boy, y'all just, y'all just going to sit on me today because I'm being too real. I'm just being too real. Amen. Are you listening to me? So I could have a thing and even participate in a thing, be in possession of a thing, amen, and never understand or access its potential. And here's even a greater danger. Continual, catch this, continual participation in a thing without clear understanding of its purpose reduces the, uh, it reduces uh, that potentially powerful thing to a religious ritual. I'm going to say that again. Continual participation in a thing without understanding the purpose of the thing reduces its power to nothing more than the traditions of men. Just religious observation. I do it because mom and them done it. I do it because grandma and them done it. It reminds me of that, uh, that Christmas supper I was at and there was four generations of daughters there. Four generations, there was great-grandma, grandma, mama, and the daughter. And, and the mama of the daughter was about to put the ham in the oven, and she cut the end off of it. <laughs> Wait on me. Put it in there, and, and when she did, the daughter said, Mama, why'd you cut the end off that ham before you bake it? She said, well, I'm not sure. Mama did it. And I do it because mama done it. Go ask mama. So granddaughter went to grandmama and said, Granny, why do you cut the ham off the end, uh, the end off the ham before you bake it? She said, well, that's simple. I did it because mama done it. See, it went from I don't know, to I can tell you exactly why we do it. We do it because they done it. Oh, my God, y'all ain't going to help me right now. Hey, man, we just do it because they done it. I got my hands up because everybody else does. Come on now. Huh? I just clapped because everybody else does. I jumped up and clapped because everybody else did. Huh? Hey, man, I don't even know what the man said, but it must have been good. Everybody else responded. So finally... The little fourth generation daughter made it to old great granny who was sitting in there, amen, watching the ball game. <laughs> That's going to be our granny, mama, my wife. Amen. And she said, I just got to know. It's been passed down for four generations. Why in the world do you have to cut the ham off before you bake it? And she said, honey, that's easy. My pan wasn't big enough. So we, oh my God, we follow traditions and rituals. Is anybody in this place with me? And we ain't got a clue of what they mean. And we hang around communion tables and clap about a dead man who got up three days later. And we don't even know. I feel like preaching in this place. We don't even know why it happened. If I don't understand it, the purpose of it, I cannot access the power of it. 
And we're okay with just coming and singing our few songs and going through rituals. I wish somebody would be honest with me today. And we've turned it into a lifeless ritual. And it don't mean nothing to us. And it don't mean nothing to our children. Can I tell you, there is no power or potential in participating in communion without understanding its purpose. Paul said it. Paul said it when he was talking about the communion table, he said, when you take the communion, you're not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, you're not understanding the purpose of it. And as a result, result, many of you are weak, weak, many of you are sick, and many of you are even dying because you don't understand the power of that table. After what we heard preached last night, we came to an understanding that Jesus didn't die to leave me in my sin. He died to get me... Is anybody, you got to get that word last night, but don't even, don't even pull it up on your computer. I'm talking, it's rated R. For real. Thank you. It's for mature audiences only. Last night's word. Amen. Because, amen, if you don't understand the power of what Jesus accomplished, you'll never walk in the power of what's already been done. And we will build a doctrine around failure and fault and My God, I need to behave on this Sunday morning. We got visitors. So, so there's no power or potential in participating in baptism without understanding its purpose. Amen? Water ain't gonna get you in. Amen? I can hold you on until the bubbles quit. We'll get you there in a hurry. That's the way I wanna baptize some people, you know, that have a hard time hanging on, just blah, 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 blah. We're gonna send you on up there. We ain't taking a chance on you, miss. Uh, We're gonna take care of that little problem you got right here. God, I kill me sometimes. <laughs> huh? Amen. There's no power in the participation of the thing, the possession of a thing, without the understanding of the purpose of that thing. There's no power in knowing. Don't, 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 don't walk out on me now until I'm through. There's no power in knowing that Jesus died. Mm. There's no power in knowing he was buried for three days. There's no power in knowing, amen, he was resurrected. The power and potential is only accessed when I understand why he died, why he was buried, and why was he resurrected. Now I got something I can work with. Are you listening to me? Someone might say, and come on, hurry up, Pastor. Drag my feet. Someone said, Well, I know why he died. He died and was buried and rose again so I could be saved. Well, that was a safe answer. So I could be saved, which demands an answer to the question What is the purpose of you being saved? Uh, rated R, real today. What? What's the purpose of your salvation? See, we've missed it all. I like what that, that, that guy in that pretty little jacket said a while ago. 
that lavender jacket. No, green. He said, all eyes are on Jesus. Can, can I make a statement that may rock your world? Your salvation wasn't even about you. Hmm. See, now we, 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 we've misunderstood the purpose of our salvation. Therefore, we've misused this great gift. So if I get to understand the purpose of my salvation, I can turn it around and begin to access all the power that's involved in it. Can we go deeper this morning? Amen. So if he died, buried, and was resurrected just so I could be saved, then the next question is, what is the purpose of your salvation? And our first response usually is, come on, you're scared to death to answer. I heard somebody say it over here. Go to heaven, but to go to heaven, I have to escape hell. So salvation is my escape route. That's why I got saved. God saved me so I could escape hell and go to heaven. Amen. Can, can I help you? Amen. In reality, hell was never created for you in the first place. So he's not saving you from a place he didn't create you to go. Amen. When he created you in hell, amen, he didn't create you to go to hell. Your Bible plainly states your word. Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So, oh, 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 I, I'm gonna get hung up right here. So one of the greatest torments you're gonna experience in hell if you go there is the fact to know this is not where I belong. This was not part of my created purpose and I'm in a place I was never designed to go. It's gonna be part of the torment. Besides that, the devil's gonna be ticked at you because you're trespassing. You ain't supposed to be there. And everything in you for a, an eternity is gonna be screaming, my God, this ain't even where I was supposed to be. This ain't even where I was supposed to be. So I submit to you, your salvation wasn't so that you could escape hell and make heaven, even though that is one of the benefits. Can someone shout amen? Amen. So listen to me. If the purpose of your salvation is just to escape hell, then you'll never access the full purpose of your salvation. Just riding my way to glory. Huh? Okay, then what is the purpose? What is the purpose of my salvation? Well, it's found in my text, uh, if you'll help me. Romans 8, 29. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them that are called according to what? His purpose. It ain't about your purpose. It's about His purpose. For, for, look at the next verse, for, for in, in, in this scripture is a conjunction which is equal to because or the why of it. So he just said, all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to the purpose because whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. I predetermined you with a destiny to do what? Come on, somebody help me out. It's on the screen. It's not a trick question. 
It's woven in your fabric from the beginning of the foundations of the world. Before you become ugly, I made you beautiful. Before you was able to ever do anything negative or against the will of God, I predestined you to look like, act like, be like my son, Jesus. It, it is, oh God, I'm going I'm to bust some theology today. It was, he said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When he was woving, is that right? Weaving, there it is. When he was woving and weaving and, and putting you together in your mother's womb, he was weaving in the fabric of your being the desire to be like Jesus. Oh, that's why you hear all religious folks that, oh, there's an empty spot in you that you're filling up with bad stuff. Amen. That's what they're trying to say, that there is an inner, innate, inerrant desire in you, not only desire, but divine ability to walk like Christ, look like Christ, act like Christ. Amen. There is a natural gravitation pull, gra gravitational pull for me to be like Jesus. Oh, y'all not used to this kind of preaching because you identify with sin, amen, and everybody's told you there's a gravitational pull to be ugly all the time. I tell you, when you get born again, there's something in you pulling you to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. It's in me. I can't help it. It's my nature. Well, this is just too much, amen. Huh? I ain't preaching your experience. I'm preaching you the truth. And the truth says, amen, that I am naturally inclined by the Holy Spirit to act like Jesus. Well, that changes everything. I'm not struggling with sin. I have a nature of holiness about me. Hmm. You have a nature. And if this hasn't happened in your life, amen, today, amen, you, 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 need to, you need to get the memo that you have not been born again. Because when you're born of the seed of God, that's the DNA of God is placed in you and there's going to be a natural pull to act like your daddy. He said, I predestined you from the foundations of the world. Oh, I know you was born into an ugly family. I know you was born addicted. I know you was born into bondage. And I know you was born into dysfunction. I, I know all that. Amen. So dysfunctional from such an early age, you think that's your identity. He said, but let's go back to the foundations of the world. Your destiny. Oh my God, your destiny was to be like Jesus. That's why you can't be happy going to hell. That's why you're convicted when you sin. That's why, amen, you're in depression and oppression when you're out of the will of God. Is anybody in this house with me? Because there's a pull to do the right thing. I'm so sick of this other message they're preaching out there that I'm a victim to sin and I can't help myself, watch me, I'll flip out any minute. God, I hope that don't happen while I'm preaching. Are you listening to me? That's what I hear preachers preaching all the time. Well, you just can't help it. God, I hope I don't throw a cuss fit while I'm preaching. Oh my God, that's, that's rated R. That's just real. That's what people are calling Christianity. When in reality... This bunch, y'all scared me. 
Some of y'all looking at me like I got two heads. So what is the purpose of salvation? Move on, Pastor. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purpose. For whom God foreknew, for whom God foreknew, conjunction, this is why he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Are you with me? Amen. So the twofold purpose of your salvation, here it is. You've probably never been taught it, but you better write it down. The twofold purpose, number one, the number one purpose of your salvation was to be conformed into the image of Jesus. What is the image? His very likeness. Amen. And this ain't nothing new because if you realize what's going on at salvation, God is only restoring what he created in the book of Genesis because he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. But sin, are you following me? Sin robbed us of the image of God. So your whole purpose of salvation was to restore, not so you could escape a place, so you could be put in a position again. Oh, my God. Amen. Hey, your, the whole purpose of your salvation was to begin to, to be repositioned as the sons of God. Oh, my God. Are y'all listening to me this morning? It wasn't about escaping something. It was about getting repositioned again. Putting me back where I belong. So some of you, the devil is lying to you, telling you and fighting you because you have an old Adamic nature that's trying to pull you the wrong way. And when you come into this thing, the devil tells you that's not who you are. This is who you are. You're a sinner. You're a failure. You're a, is anybody with me? Amen. And when we start stepping into who we really are, he starts lying to us. Amen. When your Bible plainly says, I was predestined to be positioned as a son of God. Before you got a hold of me, Satan, God beat you to me. Some of y'all are to high five your neighbor on that right there. Uh, yeah, you may think you've turned me into all this, but I got news for you. That's not my predetermined purpose, and I will not identify with I'm an addict. I will, somebody ought to help me. I won't identify with a temporary. Oh, Amen. I will not identify with a temporary dilemma in my life when I was predestined to be like Jesus for an eternity. Huh? God ain't tripping out because you messed up. Gummit. Kristen, I have big plans for you. I didn't know you was going to flip out. I had no idea that you would go out there and I won't tell. Amen. No, sir. God knew from the beginning. Are you listening to me? And I'm not trying to become something I am not. I am working every day to become what I am. I'm going to say that again. I'm not trying to be something I'm not when I'm trying to be a Christian. I am now moving towards becoming what God says I am. And God, I'm going to shout all by myself. And God said, I am accepted in the beloved. My God. 
Problem is, you start identifying, I'm this, I'm that, she's that, she's that. Amen. She is not what Satan said she was. You are not what the devil tells you are. You are not identified by that thing that's got its claw in you. Amen. We're here today to celebrate a resurrection that jerks the claw out and lets Christ come alive. Somebody ought to let Christ come alive in your spirit. Amen. You got to get that tool out of the toolbox and use that joker. Can we go deeper? So he said, this was the purpose of your salvation, so that you would be conformed, to reposition you as a son or a daughter of God. Amen. Why? Because I was conformed. I mean, I was predestined to be conformed into the same image. So here's another purpose for your salvation. Your salvation was about God's image, not yours. Your salvation was God restoring his image on the earth. So your salvation wasn't about bringing glory to you. Your salvation was about bringing glory to God. Because now you are, are y'all following me now? Because now you are an expression on earth of a God in heaven. That's why you were saved. You weren't saved to be plagued by sin and run around failing and then... No, no, you don't realize what your salvation was for. Amen. I ain't even going to debate once saved, always saved. If you got it, you always got it. You may have it in your toolbox. I don't know. Amen. But if you ain't pulling it out and using it, you'll never access his power. And salvation wasn't so I could escape a place. It was so I could escape the, escape a nature. Wow, that'll, that'll tweet. Some of you say, wow, I got saved, I escaped, I escaped hell. When I got saved, I said, wow, I escaped Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, some of y'all ought to be lapping the building right now. Uh, because the devil wasn't my biggest problem, Dean was. Some of y'all are rebuking the devil and you just need to crucify the flesh. Yeah. See, you can't. Uh, yeah, it's always good to blame it on the devil. It ain't the devil, it's you. Take up your cross daily. Kill that joker. He'll rob you of the image of Christ. So quite contrary to your experience, now when you're really born again, you'll have more trouble sinning than not sinning. Some of y'all are just quiet. You say, he don't, somebody say, he don't know my life. If you really understand the death and the burial and the resurrection, you'll have more trouble sinning than not sinning. Because when you've experienced and accessed the power of the cross and you fall into sin, there comes a conviction in your life that says, this is not me. Is anybody in here? This is not my new resurrected self. So he said, him who he called, he justified. Give me that scripture back up there. Him who he called, he justified. Justified means, amen, that's not that paper you see every week in Caldwell. Amen. I don't know why they call it justified. I don't mean to belittle that. Justified means... Just as if I'd have never seen. Just if I'd. Just if I'd never done it. 
justified. Justified, never done it. In other words, he reached down, picked me up from my fallen state, and put me back in my position as a child of God. Hey, 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 is that worth shouting about? So the first process after my calling was my repositioning. And then after he repositioned me, amen, he glorified me, meaning he put glory in my life to bring glory to my God. It's all about him. I can't take no credit for it. Amen. He repositioned me. And the Bible scripture said, God's goal is to bring many sons to glory. Glory is prestige, dignity, honor, praise. That's what God put in my life when he saved me. I went from a nothing, no good for nothing, drunk, alcoholic, losing my family. Amen. With a terrible reputation in my community and family. Who am I talking about? One. One honest person in this building. Jennifer, you better raise your hand. I'll bust you out. Amen. Are you listening to me? I had no power within me, both hands. I had no power within me. I had no ability within me. Matter of fact, my whole community identified me by my dysfunction. He's a drunk. He may be doing good right now. Even my wife said it. Amen. He may be doing good this week, but I don't know about next week. But when God called me, he repositioned me. Oh! Thank God for the death, burial, and He justified me, amen, and you still may be talking about me, but in heaven, it's justified, never done it. It's justified, never, God Almighty, amen. You may hold my past against me, but heaven is rejoicing over my salvation. And then he said, it's not enough to be justified, amen, because part of your purpose is to be conformed into the image of Jesus and act like him and walk like him, but you can't act like him and walk like them in your own street, so I'm going to baptize you with some glory. Somebody say, thank God for the glory. Glory is the dignity and the honor, huh? The prestige that he put back in my life. Now, that don't mean a lot to some of you, but for some people in here, the fact that he gave you your dignity back. Oh, my God, who am I talking to right there? Amen, because Satan had robbed you of your dignity. You was ashamed of, oh, feel the Holy Ghost. You was ashamed of who you are and what you become. So the greatest thing that God gave you when he saved you, he gave you dignity back. Hold your hand. My God, hold your head up, Brandy Sue. Hold your head up, Jennifer. Hold your head up. My God, I've been around in this place all by myself because God gave you your dignity back. <laughs> Amen. I ain't got to. I ain't. I ain't got to walk around in shadows and hide no more. I'm still trying to train Jennifer. I'm telling you, we be riding around, see the popo. Oh my God. Oh my God, Jennifer, it's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry, I'm just a creature of habit. My God, run, Pastor. Take this, take this road. Take, take this road. I know we can get away from them right here. Amen. 
<laughs> There's old Freddie Mercer. He's down there by the light. Let's go around this way. Jennifer, I'm not going around that way. We're going right through. We've been justified. We've been glorified. <laughs> and because I've been justified, I'm no longer in the justified. Somebody ought to shout in this place. Just, just the fact he gave you some glory back. He gave you glory back. My God, he gave you your glory back. He said, the Father is calling many sons to glory. Glory. I always told my kids when they'd leave, it didn't work for Joshua, but I told him, don't forget who your daddy is. <laughs> don't forget who your daddy is. When you're out there, just remember, who your daddy is. We need to tell the church that. Uh, you need to remember who your daddy is. I've been lurking around in ball fields watching y'all. Got my own. Huh? And I'm just trying to see whose nature of which daddy comes out. He said, this is one purpose of your salvation. That you would be conformed into the image of his son. All right, let's, let's, let's hit point number two and go to the house. What do you think? Go eat. Second, the second purpose of your salvation is found in that same scripture. So that you would be conformed into the image. Can you put that scripture back up there for me? He said, so that you would uh, be conformed. Verse number 28. Be conformed unto the image of... 29, I'm sorry. For whom he foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Number two, that Jesus may be the firstborn among many brethren. That Jesus may be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, catch this. When God got ready to reveal his glory to the earth, he had to reveal his glory through a son. Okay? So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld the glory. So God said, when I get ready to show my glory, I need a son. So when your Bible talks about the glory filling the whole earth, that's not talking about mist coming down. Thank you. Amen. That's not, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not talking about a, a big cloud coming down. That means that every son is supposed to be a manifestation of the glory of God. Okay? So Jesus was the walking personification of the Father. Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils reached out to the lost and dying and saved them. And his ministry was confined within his person. So God said, if I'm going to expand the ministry of heaven, I got to expand the person of Christ. Because he's all one. Let me, let me throw it out here this way. Would you go with me just a few minutes? The first the first thing Jesus is identified in the Bible in the book of Genesis is what? Now, that's a tough question. 
The first time in the book of Genesis, Genesis that Jesus was identified, he was identified as a seed. Remember, he told the devil, he said, her seed is going to bruise your head. So God had this heavenly seed called Christ. And everybody knows a seed has the full potential of producing. Mm. It's all in the seed. The abundance is in the seed. And the seed was the seed of God. And his name was Jesus. But. But, and that's why, amen, so he come as a seed and he's doing all these great ministries and his ministry is, is limited by his geographical location. So God says, I got to get holy seed planted in, in, on the earthly soil because Jesus said, except a grain of seed fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, if it die, it produces. So in essence, we say Jesus was buried. Paul says Jesus was planted. Because nobody ever said, all right, Brother Guerrero, let's go bury that crop. Are y'all with me? Because you only bury dead stuff. That's why Jesus had a borrowed tomb because he knew he wasn't being buried, if you will. He was being planted because he was being planted. The fact he was being planted, meaning he's gonna be resurrected. And if he's resurrected, he does not come back as one seed. He comes back as a... Oh my God, y'all gotta get a hold of this. So the whole purpose of your salvation, of Jesus, for, was for God to take a seed, amen, throw it up against the cross, kick a rock open and throw the seed in the ground so that on the third day, pss, and he become the firstborn of many brethren. Is anybody getting this this morning? Put my title back up there. And we're sitting around saying, Easter? Easter? Bunny rabbits? Eggs? Teaching our kids. Because we don't even know ourselves. Can I let you help you leave here today with a realization of what this all is all about. It's about God restoring you to be in a position to bring glory to Him. Some total. Did you get it? So I ain't got time to preach it today. So now when you understand this and the scripture says all things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. All things work together for the good to whom we love God and are called according to the purpose. So it was a good thing when Jesus hung on the cross because it was working towards the purpose. See, if you don't understand your purpose, you're gonna be saying, well, I'm not going through what I'm going through. 
because you wasn't saved to sit on a pew like a whatnot. Amen. You know what whatnots are good for? Collecting dust. And pastors come every week. I ain't dusting you no more. You're just going to sit there and get dusty. That's all a whatnot was created for. Did you realize that? To collect dust. And that's why all that sin settled on you. Oh, my God, I better quit and behave right here. I want you to leave here realizing today that Jesus was the holy seed of heaven. And the Bible says, this is why I can't help but he be holy. This is why I can't help but be like Jesus. Because the Bible says in Romans eleven sixteen, if the first fruit be holy, the lump is holy. And if the root is holy, the branches are holy. <laughs> Amen. It's in my nature. It's in my DNA to be holy. Can y'all receive this this morning? Amen. It's not in my DNA anymore to be a knucklehead. It's not in my DNA anymore to cuss you out. It's not in my DNA anymore to get drunk. Amen. Because if I'm attached and I am a product of the root, the branches will always reflect the character of the root. So I naturally do the right thing. Oh my God, I don't know about y'all this morning. I naturally do the right thing. And if I unnaturally mess up and do the wrong thing, it brings conviction in my life. Because that's not who I am anymore. You ain't got to train a cow to be a cow. He'll just move. Huh? You know what we try and do? We try and bring horses in the church and tell them you're a cow. You're a cow, no more whinnying, you got to moo. And you feel so uncomfortable mooing because you're used to whinnying. So it's getting deep now in more ways than one. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Huh? Why? Because he's got the DNA of a cow and he's going to chew like a cow. <laughs> he's going to moo like a cow and he's going to milk like a cow. Amen. I don't care how much discipleship, you can put him in 12 steps. Twelve steps to being a horse. Now come on in, join our program, and after these twelve steps, we're going to get you out of your moo and you're going to winnie. That's what we're doing in churches. We're trying to bring in people who have not been born again and went through the death, burial, and resurrection. Because except a seed fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. And you just steal one little lonely cow. But when we identify with the death, burial, when I leave my old life, I receive a new life. And now it is my nature to be holy. Can y'all receive that? If you can, I'll quit. It's not your nature to act like the world. Your Bible says, I can look at your actions and tell who your daddy is. I can tell if it's God the Father or if it's Satan himself, just simply by watching the fruit that's coming out of your life. I come to tell you, I want you to take the question mark off Easter. Stand with me all over this building as they're moving our communion table out in front. I want you to take the question mark off Easter because now I realize I was saved with a purpose. And my purpose was to be like and act like Jesus. Now I identify with acting like Jesus. 
And that's not something I'm having to force myself to do. I have an inborn disposition because I'm born of the Spirit to do that. And when I break my conscience, there's conviction that comes into my life. Number two, Jesus did it because he said, I got to expand the ministry. My ministry is confined to me. So he said, I'm going to become the firstborn of many brethren. If y'all can receive this statement, he said, after the resurrection, a bunch of little Jesus is going to be running everywhere. We're living in a state, catch this statement. We don't need a resurrected Jesus. All we need is a buried Jesus. Because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remissions of sins. Your sins were paid for when he died. They're paid for. When he died. Oh, yeah, he wasn't resurrected in newness of life yet. Still got those sins, but they've been paid for. And that's where the majority of the church is. I can prove it to you because when Jesus died, the tomb, the graves in the graveyard broke open and the dead people was laying in their graves. They had the potential to get up, but they couldn't get up unless he got up. And the majority of our churches are still in phase number two. Yes, I was forgiven but I'm still bound and I'm still dead. But on the third day when Jesus was resurrected in newness of life, he not only forgave me my sins, he gave me the power to walk beyond my sins. And on the day he was resurrected, they got up out of them tombs and went walking through the streets declaring, not only am I forgiven, I now have the nature of the Christ who resurrected me. That's the power of this death Burial and resurrection. That's your Easter. That's what it means. And the purpose for saving you was to expand the ministry of heaven on earth. Just like Jesus did. Everywhere you go. You have been repositioned dignified, glorified, and anointed to carry on the family business. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.